Thunder Media. On Inside Motorsport Day, we look back at the Adelaide Motorsport Festival and forward to the Australian Formula One Grand Prix. I hope you'll stay with us. Paul Marinelli joins us for a Melbourne person to be heading over to Adelaide. I know it has a special place in your heart, the Adelaide Grand Prix. And Adelaide Motorsport Festival does try to bring those memories back. Thanks for joining us on the show. Hi, Craig. Hi, everyone uh, listening. Yeah, I've got to say, it's, as you said, it's the Adelaide Grand Prix has been very close to my heart because I first went there as a kid with my parents, you know, as a teenager. And, and then, of course, ended up working there as a journalist and later in life and then through to when it ended uh, in 1995 and uh, six, I should say. And so everywhere I went this weekend at the festival, even though it's in that, that heritage grandstand section, of Victoria Park, but everywhere I went brought back new memories, you know, like I can remember a Marlboro media party being held with Ayrton Centre and Mika Hakkinen right where the media setup was there at the Heritage Grandstand. And then I'd walk over to the last turn and to see it with no infrastructure, no pit building, no grandstands and look straight across. The whole place looks entirely different. It's incredible. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. It was really well put together, non-stop sprint action on the track all day Saturday and Sunday. Um, sadly, the rain on Sunday meant the form of the old Formula One cars couldn't come out, but they were there on Saturday, and it was really, really cool. It was fascinating to see how many different generations of car were all getting out there and being part of the event. Yeah, and it was constant, Craig. That's the thing I really liked about it. Every session was 15 minutes long, and the easiest way to describe it is just like sprints at a track, you know, on a track day basically sprints but going all day long and you had supercars from every era that took part in Adelaide and other ones as well you had guys like Roland Dane with his um, um, Subaru WRX taking that for a fang as well you had um, Peter Scaberis the owner of the premier uh, supercar team get out there in the triple eight car he's bought and one of the Red Bull Commodores took that out for a go and first time he'd driven it um, and, and lots of drivers, lots of supercar guys, um, you know, obviously Adelaide guys, Nick Burkett, Tim Slade, Todd Hazelwood, and uh, Craig Lowndes was there. And, of course, the highlight of the show was yesterday when Valtteri Bottas came, and, uh, man, he was just wonderful with everybody. It was really good. He certainly let his hair down, if you can say yeah. a finished man with short hair can, but he certainly was out there, circle work didn't scare him, and, and even no. in the... Even in the Alpha, he was getting serious. Yeah, I watched him in the Alpha because it was particularly wet when he went out with that. And he was following this XD Falcon and it was hilarious because he'd get him all in the corners. It was all over him. And then on the straights, the XD would just drive away in a V8. But, but, the, um, but the funny thing was he's accelerating so hard. The Alpha's fishtailing and wheel spinning. It was, it was just amazing to watch. It really was. It was one of those, one of those things that's just... Um, you look at it and you go, wow, you know, I can't believe it's him. And then he went from that into the 2016 Bathurst 1000 winning supercar and um, and drove that around like a superstar. Of course, he had a spin and 
huge burnout. It was all a bit of fun. Um, but, but he had a great time. And the onboard vision's available online at the Adelaide Motorsports um, Festival website or on their Facebook page. And I urge any fan to have a look because you see how quick this guy adapted to driving a supercar and, and giving it as much stick as he could. You certainly see it there and then. When you consider the event hadn't been run in that location for five years, the crowd scenes were massive and the street party looked like Adelaide of old. Yeah, I missed the street party. I flew in that night, so I just missed it on the Friday night. But um, the Saturday was just perfect weather and there were so many people. It was great. And lots of families and, you know, just, just so so many people just come out to enjoy and relive those days. And the thing that was really interesting too and something I think you would have liked, Craig, is that lots of people turned up in their old Formula One gear. You know, Formula One shirts, Sassol, Jordan, Ferrari, whatever, from, from the 80s and 90s. And people were wearing that stuff. And I thought, you know, this place has got a real Goodwood Festival of Speed feel about it. You know, it really does. And harks back to the days when it was the final Grand Prix. And yep. the team the, the team members used to just basically sell their gear through the fence on the uh, start-finish straight across from the pits to get some beer money for the end-of-year parties. Yeah, they'd all go on holidays to the Sundays and stuff with the money they'd get um, selling helmets for $2,000 and, and people happy to buy them. Like, it was incredible. And uh, it was customs that actually stopped that. Uh, it was Australian customs that stopped it, of course, because there was no tax being paid. Mm, so. I, yeah, I heard that one team started uh, issuing their gear with serial numbers too because right. they weren't getting a cut of it. Well, this is the thing, you know, th- this was just crew members selling it, the money in their pockets, and as I said to you, going for a holiday afterwards. Um, but it was it was amazing. Like, you could get a full-on race suit. You could get, you know, they just, as you, as you rightly said, over the pit wall, they were just handing it out to people, and all this cash was changing hands. No, no credit cards, nothing, just all cash. <laughs> <laughs> but, I- no, great days. And, and to see that, that, just that Victoria part of the circuit, Victoria Park, part of the circuit fired up with the cars going it just reminded me so much of the old days it really did and oh, what a way to lead into the australian formula one grand prix in your hometown of melbourne yeah yeah i was thinking about that you know the week before and hopefully in the future they can keep timing that event to being just before that way then get more formula one guys involved um but of course stefan johansson was there as well david Bradman was there uh, of course, his son, Sam Braben, were there. They both drove the VT16, which was a sight to behold, uh, out there as well. A $30 million value, that car, $30 million. So <laughs> you want to be really, really careful. And unlike a painting, <laughs> it still works. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, and it's not allowed to run in the wet, so they couldn't run it on Sunday. So felt a bit sorry for the people who only went on Sunday, but, but there's a tip for you. If you ever go to the, to the Adelaide Motorsport Festival, make sure you do both days so you don't miss out because those old F1 cars are just magical, magical, you know. They look amazing, you know. You look at the way that the aerodynamic designs have changed over the years. It's just, yeah, the frontal uh, crash structure of the Ferrari that Johansson was driving was the human sitting in it, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> they were sitting that far forward that basically it was, you know, that's why so many drivers, you know, stuffed their legs up badly in, uh, in Formula One in those years because that was basically it. Yeah, that's man. what absorbed the impact. And, and of course, Ooh. he was driving the car that he raced there uh, so Correct. many years ago. So there yep. was, it was great to see the international flavour and just how many people, when they heard it was on, they put their hand up and said, how can we get involved? 
Yeah, and, and the accessibility, of, uh, Craig, was just remarkable. Like, you could go anyone, you didn't have to have a media pass around your neck, anyone could go anywhere and speak to anybody. You know, you didn't have the, um, you know, the weekend warriors, oh, you can't go here, you can't go there. If anything, it was like, please, come through, have a look. And the thing that I found was really interesting, cars were lining up on the dummy grid and people are just walking through, you know, having a close look, taking photos, and nobody was stopping you. It was just, it was wonderful. I wish, you know, motor racing events, more events were like that, uh, that we go to. But sadly, these days, it's, you know, everybody from 10 miles away, and if you get too close, somebody's telling you off. And, you know, it's it, this is the complete opposite to that. It sounds like you're going to be going through the closet and seeing what early <laughs> early 90s gear you've got available to slip on for next year. Mate, I have got suitcases full of the stuff from years and years and years of travelling to events overseas, and I reckon I'd make a fortune selling it over there, but, but, I, like, but I like it all too much. <laughs> but that was the other thing. There was memorabilia there. Um, Stephanie Johansson has become an artist since he's finished racing, and he was selling his or showing, showcasing his paintings. Uh, there as well, which were quite interesting. Um, you had um, corporate suites from uh, Adelaide car dealers like Zagami was there, Mercedes Adelaide, Porsche of Adelaide were there, Aston Martin were there with their um, Valhalla concept car. So you had that sort of um, uh, posh element to it, but again, it wasn't um, a snobby sort of thing. It was just an area where, where customers of these uh, dealers could go and enjoy the event and everyone else could walk through and see all the cars and stuff like that. So it was... Yeah, it was nice. It was very, very well done. Yeah, and car clubs, particularly brand-focused car clubs, were able to be part of it and have their cars on display if they weren't the type that would go out onto the track. For sure, yes, absolutely. There was a lot of that. that. I I lost count of how many AMG GTs were there. And, you know, you just – the McLarens. I've never seen so many McLarens in my life. And and you just think, you know, my goodness, if the average value of one of those is about, I don't know, seven, eight hundred thousand at the lower end, (laughs) that's the the poverty pack version, about eight hundred grand, and it goes up from there. Um, And and the place was full of them. I, I was stunned, absolutely stunned. And I imagine that uh, it really has whet your appetite now to come home and know that on Thursday the on-track action starts again at Albert Park. Yeah, I hope this rain goes away. I've flown into a lot of rain here in Melbourne and um, it was similar in Adelaide too. It was actually the weather got quite bad yesterday and today. But, yeah, I hope this rain goes away. But, yeah, it's going to be good. I mean, being the third round's interesting too because we've already got an idea of who's getting it right and who isn't. Um, I'll be very interested to see Oscar Piastri fares in his uh, hometown. You know, in the 26 years of this event, sorry, the 25th running of it, 27 years since it started in Melbourne, two years without COVID, of course, without it. So 25th running of the event. This is the first ever time a Melbourne driver's competed in the Formula 1 event. We've had Australians in it, but not a Melbourne driver. So that's going to be quite interesting to see how that goes with Oscar. Uh, He's got an enormous amount of pressure on him, uh, I think. But, um, yeah, I just think I hope Ferrari's come good because, you know, there's lots of Italians here as well. And uh, <laughs> But, you know, may the best man win and let's hope it's a really, really good show for everybody. Yes, and unfortunately I've looked at the long-range forecast. It could be a very, very interesting race because that cloudy, wet weather is forecast mm. for the rest of this week, which might be a godsend for the McLarens. And Oscar, yeah. who I don't even think Oscar's raced on this track, I'm just trying to think because he no, went out of the no, country he's, so early. He, no, he's a, yeah. Here's another fact for you, Craig. You're going to love this. 
his race here on Sunday will be his first ever car race, right, car, in Australia. First ever. So that gives you an idea how young he was. He's raced carts and stuff here at Oakley, the Oakley Kart Club and stuff. But his first car race will be the Australian Grand Prix. How weird is that, huh? How strange is that? It is amazing. And (laughs) and, uh, just wrapping it up, we know how big the corporate uh, entity and the corporate monster that is the Formula One event. But putting your business hat on, what do you think the leveraging of the Adelaide Motorsport Festival and the Melbourne Grand Prix double could be for corporates and particularly the multinationals who might want to have that Goodwood style, the memories of Adelaide, and then roll straight into the modern day Melbourne? Look, it'd be wonderful if you could, if they could find a way to do it. It's just, you know, the the amount of money it costs to, to, to do these sort of things just for the Grand Prix alone is staggering, right? So, you know, companies are then going to find more money to do something at that event as well. But, you know, I just think cost would be prohibitive, not not on the Adelaide part, but on the Melbourne part, mm. um, on the Grand Prix part. But yeah, I mean, it'd be a great idea. Imagine saying to your customers, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna take you to this festival, a revival type meeting, race event, uh, motorsport event, and then we're gonna fly over to Melbourne for the Formula One Grand Prix." I mean, it's pretty awesome, isn't it? And for <laughs> both governments, you know, yeah, you're well, gonna get the <laughs> you're gonna get the two days at the Adelaide Motorsport Festival. We'll take you to a few wineries and show you around the South Australian, you know, river district and wine district. And then a couple of days, you know, on Ligon Street and and yep. uh, and Russell Street and all those great ethnic parts of Melbourne which give it such a unique uh, feel to the city and into the Grand Prix as well. It, it would make for some great tourism opportunities. It sounds like we need to uh, get ourselves organised here for a, a bit of a Marinelli Revel tour. <laughs> the other thing that's interesting uh, too, and I should point out, is that the Premier of South Australia, Peter Malinowskis, promised that he would reinstate the Adelaide Motorsport Festival and the Adelaide 500. And to his credit, he's done both of those, and long-term as well. So, you know, it's very rare you get a politician who keeps their word these days. And uh, that guy there, I mean, he, he has done it and done it so well. And, and even when there was only about six months left before the Adelaide 500 and he, he got, became elected in the March, he said, I don't care, you're going to make it happen. I promise that it's going to happen. And the same with the festival. The money was pulled from that event. That's why it disappeared for three years. Uh, the, the state government of South Australia abruptly just pulled the money and said, that's it, it's over. Uh, and Malinowski said, vote for me and I'll make sure it's back. And sure enough, it is. And, and it's got good funding and good support and good sponsorship support as well. So, no, it's, it's just really, really good to see. Yeah, an important thing for states and for motorsport people around the, the country to look at. One, about the advantages of having motorsport boards and commercial partners that can work with those peak bodies. And B the power of the motorsport community. And I think Mm. up until that election, I think everyone had forgotten how big the motorsport community is in in states and then more generally across Australia. Well, you know, the Greenies, the Greens were trying to destroy the Victoria Park part of the circuit because on environmental grounds that that that, that, that the bitumen was increasing the heat uh, of the area and this and, and the, the sole purpose of that. I mean, it was all rubbish for a start, but the sole purpose of that was to make sure that there was no more motorsport in Adelaide. That's all it was about. 
Yeah, you know, nothing to do with the environment. And, and, you know, it was just terrible. And it was good that Malinowskis realised that, hey, this is a lot of people care about this. And it, I don't say I don't think it's it only won in the election, but I certainly think it helped. It's no doubt at all. Yeah. You know, Three hundred thousand people were there. Two hundred eighty thousand were at the Adelaide Five Hundred. Um, I don't have official numbers from the Adelaide Festival, but I would say probably in the vicinity of um, over the two days of twenty thousand, maybe fifteen to twenty thousand, maybe more. Hard to tell, really. Um, but it looked pretty busy to me, even in the rain. It was stacks of people there. You know, and, it was really and the good. street party was completely free, which, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it also the photos that I've been seeing of the street party was mm. absolutely jam-packed. Yeah, and the, 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 the views of the Ferrari turning into East Terrace, you know, with nothing, no barriers, just people on either side. <laughs> that is so, so cool. And the driver with no it. helmet, like yeah, Stephanie yeah. Hansen just driving the car. Yeah, and Dave Brabham drove the BT-16 with, with just a baseball cap on mm. and sunglasses. You know, again, not too fast and that, but it, it's nice when you can see the driver's face. You know, it's really cool. Yeah, and I and did I, hear a wonderful story about uh, one of one of our colleagues who had his Porsche done up in the Rothman colours that Vern Schupen ran, and yep. Vern actually came and visited him and said, nice car. Yep. And yeah. it, it was great that we saw motor racing legends of course, Vern's a local, but we saw motor yep. racing legends just coming in and enjoying it. You mentioned some of the supercar stars, but even mm. Eddie Jordan was there across the weekend. I, uh, I uh, With Vern Chupin, I went to his presentation that he did, and they had a grand marquee there the first time they'd done it, and Mark Gallagher was doing interviews with people. He did Stefan Johansson, he did Valtteri Bottas, which was like you couldn't you couldn't move. There was that many people there. Um but, but also Vern Chupin, and, and the, the, the conversations were so interesting. You know, for, for guys like you and me that have got, like, you know, 30 years in the sport, something like that, um, you, you could relate to everything they were talking about. And, and even younger people were just fascinated by, by the stories. Um, you know, when you hear Stephanie Hansen say that, you know, it's great to see the old girl here, and I used to qualify this car, it was 1,200 horsepower, you know. <laughs> it was mad, it was crazy, you know, and... Uh, just, just the things they would say that they say with a huge smile on their face, and you look at everything they've achieved. Like Vern Schupan had a had a world record top speed down the Molsane Strait at Le Mans, and 408 kilometres an hour or something like that. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and you think about those speeds today, and we're still doing the same, if not maybe even a bit slower. <laughs> Yeah, it is a, a remarkable way to appreciate the history of motorsport, the Adelaide Motorsport Festival. Paul Marinelli, enjoy the Grand Prix in your backyard. I know that you'll be uh, torn because as qualifying's on, you'll be keeping an eye on the, the Carlton Blues playing GWS in Sydney. Uh, and no, it won't matter. won't matter, mate. No, not a Grand Prix time. I don't care what the Blues do, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Formula One comes first. Everything comes second. <laughs> Yeah, no, thank you. It's going to be a great week. I hope everyone enjoys it. And, um, yeah, stay tuned. It's going to be a big season, I'm sure. Here's a taste of Mark Gallagher's discussion with Valtteri Bottas during the Adelaide Motorsport Festival. So we're, two, we're only two races into the season, and already there's a big shake on the championship. Um, that Red Bull is down to quick, huh? It is. Um, unfortunately, they, they look a bit un, unbeatable at the moment, but um, but it is a sport, you know, that anything can happen, the season is long, uh, things can change. Um, and nowadays, like the, 
the rate of development you do as a team from start to end of the year is huge and you can actually make a difference. So it's still a long, long way to go to the, to the final race of the year. So obviously when you're on the track in your car, and I mean you had a very good first weekend back riding, you scored four championship points, that was a good, more difficult weekend last week at Sandy. Obviously when you're on the track during the weekend, you get the opportunity to, to follow the Red Bulls to see how they're performing. Where do you see their, where is their big advantage? Is it everywhere or is it um, in the, a particular area? Their car is so efficient aer aerodynamically, like they have good downforce but at the same time really low drag. So they can actually run quite low wind level um, but still having that downforce from the floor and from, from the general shape of the car. So it's just so efficient. Um, you see the balance of the car is nice, you know, they, they rarely have any moments or they don't really have to fight with the car. So yeah. I think that gives them also just good confidence to push. So. so is this going to be a walkover for Max? I mean, is this going to be a very simple task for him this year? I hope not. I think everybody <laughs> wants to see good, good racing. Um, they've had a really strong start, obviously, and if I would do some betting now, yes, probably would bet on him, but... Um, yeah, you've got a tip. Got a, a tip for a Valtteri. I'm not allowed to bet, bet so you can do it for me. Do we have any Max Verstappen fans here? Okay, not so many. Not so many. Oscar Piastri fans? Daniel Ricciardo fans? Wow, that tells you a story, doesn't it? Wow, well, gosh, right, okay. We will have the full 25 minutes of Mark Gallagher's discussion with Valtteri Bottas at the end of this show. The Adelaide Motorsport Festival kicked back on last weekend and Adrian Mussolino, we spoke to you in the build-up, we now speak to you in the wrap-up. What looked to be a very successful weekend with plenty of fans, plenty of cars and plenty of stories out of the weekend. Thanks for joining us once again on Inside Motorsport. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was a great event, and um, it was great to have the festival back, and um, it sort of seemed to go well, you know, big crowds, and um, obviously having Valtteri Bottas there is just sort of, you know, helped really elevate the event to sort of a next level, and it was, you know, it was just, yeah, great all round. We talked about in the build-up how the Adelaide public had got behind it, but you shut down the streets, you had the cars driving through the centre of Adelaide, and it looked like everyone was having such a wonderful time. Yeah, it's such a unique and great concept, the um, Adelaide Motorsport Festival Street Party, where they sort of, you know, uh, sort of 20 or so cars from the event um, drive into the heart of the city, park up, you know, the crowds can get near Near them, um, you know, drivers appear on stage for a bit of a Q&A and sort of, you know, they can meet and mingle with the fans and then, you know, the drivers head back and it's such a great concept. It was just so well attended, you know, plenty of spectacular images and videos of the event, you know, to have these, you know, Formula One cars park up in the city streets and drive on the city streets and for fans to get so close. It's it's such a great way to sort of promote the Adelaide Motorsport Festival and then kickstart the weekend and, and it seemed, you know, it's very well attended and then that really sets the momentum for what's ahead over the Saturday and Sunday. Have you got crowd figures already in from the event? Uh, no, it's hard to uh, gauge crowd figures for a free public event like that. So it, it's sort of, um, you know, it was, it was definitely thousands for sure. You know, there's they'll people were sort of four or five deep, you know, um, to see the cars. So it's just, it was great to see. And, um, you know, it's, it's, 
you know, to have a free component of an event like that is really great and then, you know, give people the chance who you may not ever get to see a Formula 1 car up close, you know, that opportunity is, you know, um, just great all around. You were part of the organising team and across the weekend, I can imagine that you've heard stories from people who have travelled not only from all over the country but from all over the world to make this the start of their Australian Grand Prix festival or their Australian Grand Prix holiday. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, um, no better example than Valtteri Bottas, you know, sort of headed from Europe to Australia and, and, you know, made a sort of stop in Adelaide and was part of the event. And that's the whole, you know, that's a big part of having the event, you know, the week before the Australian Grand Prix is you get, you get those sort of Formula One people who could pop by. So I think that's now template and you'll see that sort of, you know, hopefully more drivers in the future make that sort of stop. And it just added such a great component to the event for, for the crowd to be able to sort of see him up close and meet him. And, you know, there was a Q&A with him, a signing session. And, you know, he drove the V8 supercar. He drove an Alfa Romeo Group A touring car. And, you know, it's things that you wouldn't ordinarily see at Australian Grand Prix or other motorsport events. So that's what makes it so unique. You know, it is that sort of Goodwood-style event where you see things that are different and you get access that's more, you know, um, open. And um, that's what is so great for fans. Well, it was a hot Saturday, but drizzle on the Sunday, and I guess that helped Valtteri with uh, getting to break out the back end and do some circle work, good old Aussie circle work. Yeah, he definitely wasn't holding back. Um, you know, the onboards have uh, sort of been very well viewed on social media, and, you know, you can tell he's pushing in both the Aframay and the VS Supercar, and, you know, it was great to see, and, um, you know, he wasn't afraid to get out there on the wet track and, you know, obviously it's a track he's cycled on, but it's not a track he's probably driven on. And so, um, you know, it just shows what a professional he is. And he seemed to just sort of, you know, really hit the ground running. And it was um, it was great. You know, we weren't sure what to expect, whether it was going to go easy or not. But it was, it was as anyone who's seen the video will testify, it was full pedal to the metal. And it seemed like everyone who got to run through the Victoria Park layout really enjoyed themselves yeah that's that's the beauty of the event you know you, you have your Valtteri Bottas and Craig Lowndes but then you've got you know your state level races and the things and you know, they're all on the same schedule you know there was you know up to you know more than 15 categories of cars on, on track you know and it's just every sort of you know 10 or 15 minutes is something different and, and exciting and it sort of brings everyone together and you know there's you know, Valtteri had to go through his driver's briefing like everyone else. You know, he shared the track with people, you know, who car owners or, you know, adventure drivers. And, um, again, you know, you don't see that too often at other motorsport events around Australia. So it's such, so unique and that's, I think, why it was so well supported because people were just happy to see it back and happy to see it grow from here. There was a lot of interest in the sounds of the cars. Was the Brabham BT60B the loudest across the weekend? Definitely one of them. Um, you know, it was hard to sort of miss when the V10 was on track and I think the um, Arrows AX3, the three-seater Arrows as well, that runs a V10 and that was definitely very loud and two lucky people got to ride in it as well. So, um, yeah, again, again, you know, in one minute you've got an Arrows three-seater for one car on track, the next minute it's motorbikes and then it's drifters. And, and so, you know, it's great for people who 
you know, lovers of all things motoring and motorsport for them to sort of come out and support the event because it's, um, you know, it has something for everyone. Yes, we talked about Valtteri Bottas, but WRC driver Hayden Patton was also there in an electric Hyundai. Yeah, that was very cool to see the first time it sort of appeared in Australia and, um, you know, it was one of the sort of highlight cars of the event. There was the Roden FZ, FC Ed, which was, you know, such a unique track car. And, you know, you've got it on track at the same time as, a you know, Indy car and a Formula 3000 car and an S5000 car. And it's sort of, you know, when you see them on track, it's sort of all these different cars going out together and it's sort of, you know, it takes a moment for your head to sort of, you know, register what's going on. But again, it's, it's so unique. And I think that's the real strength of the event. It's, it's unlike anything else we really see. And especially in a city location, you know, obviously there's other events, you know, other historic events at permanent circuits, but to be city based and to be able to do things like the street party, um, that's what's, you know, so great. And that's where the potential is moving forward. Now, Adrian, the, the, the photos show a lot of smiling people at Victoria Park, but what has been the feedback so far in the office on Monday morning as we talk? Yeah, no, it's all, it's all been positive. I think the, the big thing was obviously, you know, um, you know, unfortunate with the rain on Sunday, but obviously that can't be helped. But the feedback is people just relieved to have the event back. So <clears throat> it's been five years since the last one and, I think, you know, people saw its growth in its initial phase and then for it to go away was a bit of disappointment, you know, off the back of, you know, the Grand Prix lost in Adelaide. And so I think for it to come back, you know, off the back of the Adelaide 500, which, you know, as we saw was such a great success last December, it just feels like sort of everything's sort of back on track and both events can really sort of hit the ground running in the new dates and keep growing year on year. And now that the pack-up has commenced and everything gets back to normal in Adelaide, what has the the public, what's the op-eds been like in the paper and so on? Yeah, it was very well received, you know, across, you know, um, media and mainstream media. And, and that's what's great about City Like Adelaide. It does get behind those major events. Like all three free-to-air channels did their weather from the street party on, on Friday night. So, you know, that just is great support for major events. And, you know, I think now there's that sort of feeling like it's going to be back, it's going to be an annual thing, it's going to be the week before the Grand Prix and then it'll just keep growing from there and then, you know, then soon the momentum will kick start for the LA 500 and, you know, that I think it'll take maybe a year or two for people to sort of become familiar and used to the new dates, you know, especially for the LA 500, it was a big move from the season beginning to the season end, but it, it'll take some getting used to, but I think both events have proven they work in these new dates and it sort of should be that thing where it's sort of locked in and guaranteed and, you know, that's a big step forward considering that both events were potentially lost forever. So the festival really is celebrating years gone by with older cars, although there is a, a certainly a mix, but what about the, the Adelaide Motorsport Festival where you were focusing in on the younger crowd and the juniors and trying to build a motorsport culture in a younger group of South Australian, in South Australians in general and, and, and people in general. Yeah, that's the beauty of it because it's sort of set, you know, within Victoria Park and the Parkland sort of setting, you can use that big open space to sort of do things. So, you know, while you've got the on-track action, you've got all this sort of off-track stuff and, you know, car manufacturers are there. You, you know, had a big presence from the likes of, you know, BMW and Porsche and Mercedes and Audi and 
all them. So, you know, it's sort of like a, it's almost a motor show, but sort of the motor show where, you know, the cars can get on track and be seen and heard, you know, a car is meant to be driven. It's meant to be heard. So for it to have that, that component, it's not just about the motorsport. And I think, you know, young people embrace that because, you know, they see a Lamborghini or a Mercedes or a Porsche and, you know, they sort of you know, get excited by that. And then they see the race cars and, you know, it's sort of, um, it sort of, it, it's great for all ages really. And I think that's the potentials there for it to grow on the motoring and motorsport side. Well, Adrian, I guess the other metric that you would have had access to is the the live stream and the social media numbers. Where did that play out? Were you, as an organisation, expected or did you uh, have that meltdown that every organiser dreams about? No, it was great. And, you know, when um, Valtteri Bottas is sort of sharing your content and sort of putting up the videos and tagging your page, you know, just... You know, the views and the algorithms just skyrocket because obviously he has such a huge following. So, you know, that was great. And that's why you sort of, you want sort of big names like that because they bring that attention. And we saw that sort of over the course of the Sunday when he was there, it was sort of, you know, he was just a magnet for people. And it was, you know, and I think that's sort of, you know, for the event back in five years, it sort of was a real shot in the arm and it sort of set the groundwork for what could happen in the future. So I think, the sort of potential for growth is, is, you know, massive and, you know, it'll just grow from here. Adrian, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you on Inside Motorsport. Congratulations to everyone at the Adelaide Motorsport Festival and I can imagine the dates are set for 2024. Yeah, I think moving forward it'll always be timed around the week before the Australian Grand Prix, so it'll be... Um, it'll sort of be locked in around that time and um, it can sort of have that sort of, you know, the likes of Valtteri Bottas sort of, that should become a you know, sort of annual thing where you sort of see those Formula 1 people come on board. So it'll be um, whenever the Formula 1 calendar gets announced, I'm sure the Adelaide Motorsport Festival date won't be too far off. Adrian, thanks for your time here on Inside Motorsport. Thank you. As promised, here's the full interview now with Valtteri Bottas, talking not only about being in Adelaide and his love of Adelaide, but also this year's Formula One and his career in Formula One as well. It's a very wide-ranging discussion. Tiffany's was in her family. Well, I think last year actually 
when my, my hair was just kind of growing a bit too long towards the end of the year, we, we kind of started joking about it. And then I, I we came here for, for a holiday, and uh, it was 1st of December. Um, just booked a hairdresser and um, got one mate who took a video out of it. And it, it was actually a bit of a joke, but then actually, when I looked in the mirror, I was like, mm, that's nice. <laughs> so, that's why I still have it. So, so the hairdresser was here, was it? In Melbourne. In Melbourne? Yeah. And did they know that you were a Formula One driver? Uh, afterwards, yes. Afterwards, okay. And you went in and said, I want a mullet. Correct. Okay. That was an interesting conversation. No, it was actually pretty good. I don't think it was his first mullet he's got, so... Uh. You're the first mullet that he had done. What does that say about hairdressers in Melbourne? My goodness. Um, so tell me this, then you went a step further. I mean, we were expecting to see you in VB singlet today with... You know, the, I mean, you went, the, you went full Australian for that social media. Yeah, I went all in. Yeah. Like, if I do something, then I do properly. So, so last night on social media, I, I, I asked a few people, are there any questions? And I got a bunch of questions. When are you going to become an Australian citizen? When do you accept me? <laughs> I'm still waiting for the passport. You're still waiting for the passport. Yeah. Very good. Um, let's talk a little bit about... Um, Formula One. So we're two. We're only two races into the season, and already there's a big shake on the championship. Um, that Red Bull is down to quick, huh? It is. Um, unfortunately, they, they look a bit un unbeatable at the moment. But um, but it is a sport. You know that anything can happen. The season is long. Uh, things can change. Um, and nowadays, like the the rate of development you do as a team from start to end of the year is huge. And, you can actually make a difference, so it's still a long, long way to go to the, to the final race of the year. So obviously when you're on the track in your car, and I mean, you had a very good first weekend back riding, you scored four championship points, that was a good, more difficult weekend last week at Sandy. Obviously when you're on the track during the weekend, you get the opportunity to, to follow the Red Bulls to see how they're performing. Where do you see their, where is their big advantage? Is it everywhere or is it um, in the, a particular area? Their car is so efficient aer aerodynamically, like they have good downforce but at the same time really low drag. So they can actually run quite low wind level um, but still having that downforce from the floor and from, from the general shape of the car. So it's just so efficient. Um, you see the balance of the car is nice, you know, they, they rarely have any moments or they don't really have to fight with the car. So yeah. I think that gives them also just good confidence to push. So. so is this going to be a walkover for Max? I mean, is this going to be a very simple task for him this year? I hope not. I think everybody <laughs> wants to see good, good racing. Um, they've had a really strong start, obviously, and if I would do some betting now, yes, probably would bet on him, but... Um, there you go, you got a tip. Just got a, a tip for a Valtteri. I'm not allowed to bet, bet so you can do it for me. Do we have any Max Verstappen fans here? Okay, not so many. Not so many. Oscar Piastri fans? Daniel Ricciardo fans? Wow, that tells you a story, doesn't it? Wow, well, gosh, right, okay. Um, I've got to tell you something, Valtteri. So that here in South Australia, Daniel Ricardo has his own red wine. Yeah, no, actually. I've, yeah. Um, I've tried it. Have you tried that? Yep, it's pretty good. I think we've got to work on the Valtteri Bottas, uh, Adelaide Hills, Shiraz, or something like that. Just keep waiting. Oh, ah. Okay. I, I, 
got some plans. Okay, so we'll we have to keep that between the 600 and this. Okay, so that's just the most important point. Uh, back to Formula One, obviously, as I mentioned in Bahrain, you have a good weekend. Things worked out well, four championship points, good start to the season. What's your feeling now, two races in? Because you have to say you had a more difficult weekend in, in Sanity. Where do you think the car is now? What do you think the prospects are for the, the races ahead? Particularly, of course, next weekend in Melbourne. Uh, I think at this point it seems like we are we have a chance to fight for top five uh, constructors place um, in the in the championship. It is like I said before, long long year ahead. But um, based on what we see in Bahrain, uh, we can definitely fight for points each race. Um, I'm happy that we found an issue on the car after Saudi, um, so that race was um, yeah. I don't want to really think about it too much, but uh, what we saw in Bahrain that yeah, we we definitely have a good chance and. Uh, um, it's, it's so hard to predict because the, the whole, especially around the meat field, is, is super tight. And any progress you can make, you know, even if you can improve the car with even one tenth per lap, it can give you quite a few positions. So at least an interesting year ahead. So it's a very interesting season in Formula One so far because we've seen some unusual things. Obviously, Fernando on the podium twice for us in Martin. A really big jump for that team. I mean, a lot of people are putting that down to their change in design philosophy. They've employed a few key people from from Milton Keynes, from Red Bull Racing. Is it, is it that simple? Is it simply going down the Red Bull design philosophy for them? I think it's, um, it's, it's a bit of a, bit of a mix of um, Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, that whole car. You know, obviously, they still get good support from Mercedes, you know, yeah. with the gearbox and everything. Yeah. But uh, they, they've done a great job. Obviously, they've made big investments in the, in the last years, and now it's starts to pay off. So I, I don't think it's all about copying uh, other cars. I think they've also been smart with uh, some of the design elements on, on their cars. So, but, you know, they they done things right, and they deserve the, the, the results. And why do you think it is under the, I mean, under the new regulations that came out last year, we've seen some really big, big changes. Um, I mean, we all know that one reason Mercedes are no, not so competitive anymore is you're no longer there. Exactly. Which is pretty, I mean, basically Lewis needs you to come back again just to give them a sense of direction. But it's quite unusual to see what's happened to them in the last two years. It is. It is un unusual. And but also, like, if you look at the history, uh, history tends to repeat itself in a way that you can't dominate forever. You know, there's always going to be a cycle certain things and yeah um, but they, no, no doubt they, they will improve and they, they will still will be good but um, to catch Red Bull this year I think it's very unlikely. Um, and another person who you know quite well is Nazi. Well, we'll talk about Lewis a little bit more in a moment but um, Frederick Vasseur was the team boss at Alfa Romeo he's now gone to Ferrari. What do you think Frederick can do at Ferrari? You know his personality very well. He's a great guy. He's a um, good team leader, and I feel like he's going to be a bit of a calming factor, probably to, to Ferrari. Um, but the truth is, you know, when he joined in January, he can't yet make a big effect on, on things. So I think he's work we're going to see in the years to come, you know. Um, and it's for sure a big challenge for him because you know the Italian media that they can be pretty, pretty critical, so it's not, not an easy, easy job for him, but um, I'm sure he will do, he will do well. 
And what about in your own team? Because you've got a, a new boss in the form of Andreas Seidel. Did you know him before, and, and how's Andreas been to work with? He's been great. Obviously, the first part uh, when he joined, he's been observing a lot, taking lots of information, and really learning first how the team operates, um, how the team works, and now he's starting to have his effect on, on certain things and reconstructing some of the rest of the factory. Um, I like him. I didn't know him um, that well before, but what I've seen so far, I've been very impressed. And um, even though it was a quick change in terms of the team organization, but everything is, uh, has been pretty smooth and working well. Now, I think one of the things that all the fans perhaps never quite get an insight into is You've gone from the dominant team, you've gone from a big team, Mercedes-Benz, to what's actually a smaller team. And so although the cars look very similar when the fans see them on TV, the reality is that it's a big difference in terms of potential of what you can achieve. How have you adjusted to that? You know, you've gone from, I mean, Mercedes-Benz have 1,700 employees across Brackley and Bricksworth, and then Alfa Romeo in Hinvolt, very, very good team, very experienced team, but a much smaller organization. So, as a driver, how do you find that change? Definitely a big change, no, no doubt. And I would say the biggest uh, difference for me was the amount of people. Like, uh, it's almost felt like double um, the, the resources um, what Mercedes had, but uh, also like since then, um, when I joined Alpha, the, the budget cap has been working, so actually I don't think the, the big teams are not that big anymore, yeah. um, unless they have satellite projects here and there, <laughs> but uh, it, it was a change, but I had enough time to kind of prepare for it, um, mentally as well, knowing that most likely for every race I'm not going to be fighting for the win, which was which was the case with Mercedes, that when I went to race I knew there's a chance of winning, but now it's, um, yeah, unfortunately a bit of a long shot many, many times, but uh, it's all about resetting the goals, um, uh, you know, uh, accepting yourself that um, there's always going to be uh, uh, opportunities and um, you get that joy and satisfaction from different things, like when you see progress, when you work hard as a team together and you reach certain goals step by step, that's, uh, that's the thing now, so... But yeah, of course I miss winning, and that's still my target in the, in the future. And I still have many years for sure in, in Formula 1, and it uh, would be great to win, win with this team in the future. Do we hope he has many years left in Formula 1? <laughs> um, it's, it's really interesting what you're talking about there, because to sit in a briefing on a Sunday morning where you're talking about winning a race, to going into a briefing where you're talking about scoring championship points, maybe finish eighth or sixth. And I mean, when the team finished, I think, sixth in the Constructors' Championship last year, yep. which was a great result. I mean, they were very happy with that. Um, I, don't wanna, I don't want to uh, criticize your teammate because he's a very good driver, but you scored by far most of the points for the team last year. You played a key role in that. So resetting those horizons is a huge change for you. It is, it is definitely, but uh, there's still, for me, a big, big joy on, on, um, on this sport, even though at the moment I'm not not winning, but uh, we have a target for the future, and yeah, for me, it's all about those small goals on, on the way, and um, I'm fine with it, I'm, um, I'm happy with the situation, because with this team, the spirit is so good, um, 
I'm much more involved in the, in the car development than I've ever been before in my career, and uh, much more information going uh, through me as well about the, the new car and everything. And yeah, for the first time as well, I have a contract that I can trust. It is actually for a few, few years ahead, not just a few months ahead. Yeah. So uh, that gives good stability for me and uh, uh, you know the peace to really, really focus on the, on the job. Now, just going back a little bit to the beginning of your Formula One career, you spent four seasons at Williams. And Williams is a team that's very close to the heart of people here in Adelaide because they had many great championship battles here in Adelaide during the 1980s, 1990s. What was it like for you as a young driver to join such a famous team and that experience? And of course, Sir Frank Williams was still with us and still very much on at the top of that family-owned team. How was that experience for you and Williams? And of course, the team finished third in the Constructors' Championship 2014-2015. I look at those times with a, with, a, with a smile. I really, really enjoyed uh, the first season of mine. 2013 was pretty tough, only scored points once. But then 2014 was actually a great year. I think I had six podiums on, on that year, and uh, yeah, it was uh, six really podiums. <laughs> so yeah, we have to cheer every time he tells us the result of his noteworthy. Okay. Yeah, so really, really enjoyed those times, and, and Frank, um, he was such a legend, you know, he, he was actually the man who gave me the opportunity to get into Formula 1, he, he was the guy who trusted my skills and, and talent and, and work ethic, uh, he saw the potential in me, so without Frank I, I wouldn't be here not talking to you guys, so he, he was a great man. And then of course you had the shift to Mercedes, and I mean, how did that come about? What was the moment when Toto said, hey Valtteri, I think we could do a deal here? Uh, because clearly, it's fair to say that Nico and Lewis have an interesting relationship. <laughs> yeah? And Toto wanted to, obviously Nico made the decision to retire when he won the World Championship. So just tell us the background to that jump. It was um, Abu Dhabi 2016. Um, when Nico, he won the championship, and I think it was a few days after he decided to, um, yeah, call his career um, off. And um, it was that very moment when I heard about it, I, I called Toto, like every other driver did. So <laughs> I think everyone was calling him, and uh, so yeah, Toto speak dialogue. So yeah, then he didn't say much actually. I just made it really clear that uh, you know I'm, I'm up for it, and this is my opportunity. But he didn't say much because everyone was calling him and sending messages. So, uh, but he came back to me maybe a week after that, saying that there could be a chance, but let's wait and see. And then it was just a waiting game. I was waiting for actually a few weeks, and uh, then he called me, um, "Hey, you got to drive?" And uh, I couldn't believe it. Like I knew it's going to be yeah, in my career so far the best opportunity to fight for the title and, and to win races. So um, it was actually. Not that nice um, in terms of leaving Williams because I had a contract for a year after. Oh, did you? Yes, okay. so. Um, Just a small point. Yes, a small point. Yeah, so yeah. I had to kind of work my way around that, but we, we found the agreement. That's good. And then obviously moving into Mercedes, the, the difference must have been incredible to go from Williams. We know Williams had begun to slide, and suddenly you're in this championship winning car. And I think you. I think you won your fourth race with Russia. I mean, huge change. Yeah, huge change for me. And um, yeah, you're jumping into 
a big organization that is on top of the game. Um, with that comes a lot of pressure. Um, everyone is ex expecting you to perform at 110% every single day in in and out of the paddock. So yeah, it was not, not easy. Like obviously, I was super hungry to win. Um, I remember that winter preparing for the first season, knowing that there's a possibility to uh, to win. Um, I couldn't wait for the season to start, and it was actually I was definitely way too harsh on myself. Like I. I was expecting myself to win immediately, everything. But when that didn't quite happen with Lewis, I was really putting lots of pressure on, on myself, uh, which for sure didn't help at, at certain times. But um, yeah, so if I could go back in time, I would be, be a, bit, a bit more easy on myself. So let's talk a little bit about Lewis, because he's the seven times world champion, and together you won five consecutive constructors' championships. You have obviously had a well done. I'm pleased that someone was listening. Really worried there was going to be silence when I said that. Okay, great, great for Miss Lewis fans. Um, I mean, he has been the dominant driver of this era in Formula One, and you have the probably one of the toughest jobs to be the teammate of that guy. How did you find that experience? And I mean, you've already said you you learned about challenging yourself and being too tough on yourself. How was that experience? It was not, not easy, you know. Uh, going against Lewis was um, was never easy. He's, um, he's a big talent and not many people know actually how much he works um, behind the scenes. So talent, talent combined with lots of work is, is the result. And he's just like a um, baseline performance level and consistency is, is really hard to beat. Like um, on my good day, I, I knew that I could beat him. Uh, I could be faster in goal time, or I could beat him in the race, but that was my good day. But like his, his basic level was something I haven't seen before. Um, and yeah, over over the whole season, I couldn't couldn't quite quite match it. But um, I have to say, the five years that I had it felt like I aged ten years. <laughs> so it's, so, you know, every single year going to the season, always trying to find something more about myself and trying to find new ways to, to beat him and uh, yeah, really, really consuming. But um, I, I tried, there's no, no regrets, I tried everything I, I could and maybe my, my time is in the future. So tell me this, um, you get to Sochi for that fourth race with Mercedes and the weekend goes the way you want it. What's it like to finally step onto that top step of the podium? And though you've made the break breakthrough, that's a big moment in any Formula One driver's career. Many Formula One drivers have only ever won one or two races, you've won ten. But that first one, well done, well done. What was that first one like? Really surreal. Um, obviously, Formula One and winning in Formula One has been my my goal since I was five year old kid and yeah when you finally get it uh, you're on the podium everything starts to sink in um, even as a thing I was a bit emotional so even that, as a thing yeah <laughs> you know it's um, for me it was a huge moment you know, probably one of the biggest moments of my life so far so uh, just crazy to actually realize it and uh, so much happiness uh, because obviously there's been lots of lots of work since a young kid to, to get there, so um, yeah, really, really proud of those moments.
So as you can see, I'm not in the first flush of youth, and my contemporary was Mika Hakkinen. So I met Mika when he was 17 years old, and we saw Mika go on to win two more championships, and, and then of course you've come along, and you've seen Kimi, and what's in Finland? What's, what's with this small country at the very top of the world that is producing rally drivers and Formula One drivers of such a high caliber? What's the magic? For me, it was um, for me it was Mika actually. I think, Mika, yeah, yeah, because I think as a, as a kid, um, when you kind of choose what you want to be in the, in the future, if you have that kind of hero, yeah. it's a big, big motivation. And for me, Mika, Mika was the hero. I saw him winning his first race in '97. Then finally his title in 98, 99, and yeah, to me that was like something, something so huge and so so motivating. So I think as we've had um, many drivers in the past, that just feeds the, the younger categories and feeds the motivation of the, of the young kids. And uh, so, so were, were you sitting on the floor at home in Mastola watching Mika on TV winning? Yes. Well, measure. Kids, kids, if you want to be a Formula One driver. Just follow your heroes, okay? Is that right? Just follow your ambition. Yep, and never give up. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, we're going to wrap up in a moment, and then we're going to have a, an autograph session, which I need to talk to you about because there are so many of you here. We need to kind of manage that. Um, a couple of final uh, things, uh, Valtteri. Um, first of all, next weekend in Melbourne, obviously it's a track, it's a circuit you know very, very well. You've had good races there before. What's your opinion going into this weekend, coming from an Alfa Romeo perspective? Uh, points, for sure, uh, with both cars. That is the, 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 that is the target. And the beauty of this sport, you also never know what happens. You never know when is your, your time for a podium and stuff like that. So there's always that, uh, that chance of uh, having a great, great result. And uh, that is also motivating. But uh, I think if we look at the first two races, our performance, we can definitely get into top ten in the goal time. We get everything right, yeah. and uh, that way get some good points. So um, hopefully, we can better off the, the result from last year. Right now, on the side of your hat, you have oath. Tell us about oath. Can oath? Uh, you you can oath. <laughs> um, yeah, oath is actually a gene brand of, yeah. of me and, and Tiffany, and it is basically Australia and Finland combined in a gin bottle. So, so Australia and Finland combined in a gin bottle. Yes, it is distilled with um, apple peels from Adelaide Hills okay. and with oats from our family farm in Finland. So uh, there you go. Amazing. You've heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, oath gin. So will any of the, the people be able to buy oath gin in South Australia? We did a cooperation gin with uh, Ambleside Distillery, yeah. um, but we sold out. So now, yeah, that's a nice problem to have. Yeah, everything went already. So uh, <laughs> we need to make some more. <laughs> we, we have some plans for the for the housing market. So uh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll we'll be here for sure. That's great, ladies and gentlemen. Valtteri Bottas. Thank you. My thanks to Adrian Mussolino, Paul Marinelli, and of course the Adelaide Motorsport Festival for that interview with Valtteri Bottas. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now.
Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.